0: Thank you.
1: I want to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is your boy Jalen. And if you would do me a favor, please subscribe to wherever you're listening. Please subscribe to wherever you're watching. Come to the YouTube channel if you aren't watching the visuals and please subscribe. I would It would definitely mean a lot. You know what I mean? But what we'll start off as the obvious thing to start off with, and that's the Super Bowl that happened on Sunday. Shouts out to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for winning the Super Bowl, beating the Kansas City Chiefs 31 to 9. Uh, this is Tom Brady's seventh ring, uh, fifth Super Bowl MVP. He he finally passed Jordan in terms of championships. Now he's in that rare air of like Robert Ory and, and and players like that. But you know, shouts out to Tom Brady and shouts out to the Bucks. You know, it's crazy. The Bucks before Tom Brady had the worst record in sports history. Like, and that's even worse than the the. Worse than the Browns, worse than the Mets, worse than I don't know it was the worst record in sports history. And you see what happens when you bring you know Tom Brady, you have Gronk, you have AB, <laughs> a B and they want they wanted super they won the Super Bowl. Let's talk about it though. There's a lot of angles that we can take about the Super Bowl. Let's start with the with the winners first. So again, Tom Brady threw, you know, Tom Brady had what three touchdowns. I know two to Gronk, one to A B, and I know he threw uh, I know Leonard Fournette had a touchdown. This was a complete game. Now, no, he didn't, he wasn't lighting up the scoreboard as far I mean he wasn't like launching the ball left and right and, and throwing five hundred yards. No. Tom Brady, what he did was he understood make the game simple and control the time of possession. If we do both those things, we could win. Because it's think about it. The last thing that you want is to lose the time of possession to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs because usually if that happens, you lose the game. <laughs> so, they knew, you know, be slow, be methodical. Uh of course we're going to hit them with a couple big plays and there we're just going to we're going to beat them at the we're going to beat them playing chess while they're playing checkers now don't get me wrong I'm not here saying that the Kansas City Chiefs are all of a sudden god-awful I'm not here saying the Kansas City Chiefs didn't deserve to win but what I am saying is they beat the Bucks beat Kansas City Chiefs the only way that you beat the Kansas City Chiefs you take keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes hands you rush the passer I mean you attack and attack and attack Patrick Mahomes Without really blitzing a lot, it's just you know you have when you have Shaq Barrett, when you have JPEP, when you have an, an, uh, an Adama Kinsu, when you have uh, White, it's it's it, Le, Le, Dave, uh, Levante David. When you have those players, it's, it, you don't really need to 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 blitz because they they can get to your quarterback, and they 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 played per, to perfection. You know what I'm saying? And again, one the one reason why I had because, of course, if you if you remember, I predicted that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to beat the Bucs. And another and one reason why is because I felt especially watching la- or two weeks ago when the Bucks played the Green Bay Packers and you saw Tom Brady through three interceptions And while he didn't throw, he didn't really throw interceptions against the Saints, he didn't do much. Like, Drew Brees helped them more than Tom Brady helped them. So I thought, you know, while the defense is really good and the defense have stepped up this probably since they played the Chiefs back in the regular season, I felt that even with some key injuries out on the offensive line for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes and and everything and and the Chiefs were still able to dial up plays that can get them out of position and that can you know beat them long and, and it just didn't happen and I also thought that Tom Brady wasn't going to do enough to you know beat beat Patrick Mahomes seeing as though we've seen the Patrick Mahomes you know that we know who Patrick Mahomes is but you know that it, it it deserves it man like the 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 Bucks played you know what it is the Bucks were the best team. The Bucks from offensive side to the defensive side, at least on Sunday, the Bucs were the best team. And of course we are getting into it a tad bit later about, you know, the on the Chiefs side, but the Bucs were the best team. And shout you know and, and, and it shouts out to top you know shouts out to Bruce Arians and, and that coaching staff. First of all, is we all know it's Black History Month. And Bruce Arians really showed that you don't need a predominant you don't need a predominantly white coaching staff to win. Hell, majority of his coaching staff is black. You have Todd Bowles, you have uh what Harold Harold Goodwin, Brian Lefwich, Keith Armstrong, and there's there's multiple other African Americans. You also have women on the on the coaching staff. So Shouts out to Bruce Arians, man. I think he became the oldest coach, or second oldest, yeah, oldest second or oldest coach to ever win a Super Bowl, or win their first Super Bowl. You know, it, it they deserved it. <laughs> now, I'm I'm of course, I was I was rooting for Patrick Mahomes. I was rooting for the Chiefs. But looking at that game, it was complete domination on both sides of the ball. You know, on the offensive side, when talking about the Bucks. They did what they had to do. They got Gronk involved. Uh, Scotty Miller didn't even get a target, uh, but and Chris Godwin really wasn't there either. It was mostly A. B. Gronk. It was the running game. You know, Ronald Jones was really good. Leonard Fournette was was great. Of course, he had a touchdown. And you know, Mike Evans was was kind of spotty here and there. But they and, and on defense, the defense, the the Bucks defense was the best single unit the entire game. They were better than the. They were better. They were the best unit on the field, and it showed. You know, like I said, uh, Levante David, Sha- uh, Shaq Barrett, uh, White, Nadaman Sue. Like they, they, they destroyed the. They made the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line look elementary. It. It was. It's like every time Patrick Mahomes snapped the ball, either Barrett or, or Sue or someone like that was in his face. Like, he didn't have any time to throw the ball. And that just showed, you know, like I said, the defense hasn't been playing well for since probably they, last time they played the Chiefs in the regular season. And Tyreek Hill had, what, 200 and something yards on him in the first half. Ever since then, the defense has just been on another level. And – they, you know, they they are the main reason why the Chiefs won the game. Now, I understand you can't give the MVP trophy to a, a unit. And, of course, usually, unless it's like, I don't know, Terrell Davis or something,
0: you,
1: you usually give it to the quarterback, which is why Tom Brady won his fifth Super Bowl MVP. However, if it was up to me, I would have given it to Todd Bowles for for drawing up a masterful game plan on how to stop the Kansas City Chiefs I would give it to the whole defensive side of the ball for being able to get to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs without they didn't they didn't blitz like they and honestly they didn't change from the first half to the second half they didn't change anything they didn't change the scheme that didn't change the formation, they stuck to what they were going to do because what they were going to do worked. So again, I I understand that the MVP only goes to a player, but I would have given it to the entire, I would have given it to the entire, uh, defensive side of the ball. And if you have to give it to somebody, I would have given it to Todd Bowles for drawing. Now, again, that doesn't take away from how great Tom Brady was, how great Tom Brady is. And Tom Brady definitely played a major part in not only, uh, not only can uh, the Green, I mean, what? <laughs> Tom Brady not only played a major part in the Bucks winning, but in the Bucks getting there. and And, and that's another thing we're going to talk about. A lot of people want to say that this was Tom Brady's greatest challenge to get to the Super Bowl. Now, being in New England, of course we know he's used to having bye weeks the first week. He's not used to playing, what, uh, three games before the Super Bowl. He's used to playing two because, you know, Green Bay—I mean, New England was so great. And playing in the AFC, you're usually winning your division. And, and of course, you have the best team as far as defensively. And you have Tom Brady and you have the best coach, which is Bill Belichick. They're not used to playing— Three games before getting to the Super Bowl, so ultimately four games. This year, he, you know, he the the gauntlet that he went through was was incredible. I'll I'll give it to you. Before before I keep going, you know, you go against the Washington Football Team and that defensive front. You know, you got Chase Young, you got Montez Sweat, you got Jonathan Allen, you got those pieces, Ryan Kerrigan. Those you know you got a front full of uh, first I mean first overall first round picks, and he was able to get through that. You know Chris uh, Chris Godwin was big in that game. Uh, a B was huge in that game, and and then you go to the next round, which is the Saints, and you're going against on paper probably the best roster. You know with Drew Brees with and Kamara with Michael Thomas coming back on paper there. And of course, you know, the defensive side of the ball, they're the best team on paper in the NFL. Let me not just say on paper, they have the best roster, at least this year in the NFL. And you, you, of course, like I said, I know we talked about drew, uh, drew breeze and the four, four turnovers as a team, but you get through that. And then you go through the league MVP and Aaron Rodgers, And that, high powered offense and not to mention their defense is no slouch either i mean you got the preston brothers you you got savage you know but you you get through them and of course you did throw three interceptions but you get through them do i think that this is i'd say this this has been the toughest road he had to get to seeing as though the 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 the, the talent that he had to go through, like I said, you have to go through Chase Young in the, in the Washington football team. You have to go to Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, and the Saints. You have to go through Devontae Adams, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and the uh, Green Bay Packers. And now you have to go through, and now you beat Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill to make a Super Bowl. While I do think that was the toughest string of games he had to go through, however, I do, it isn't you do have to acknowledge the team that he has. Now you look at those new England teams and while he was the biggest part of the team, seeing as though, you know, he's, he's the greatest football. I mean, not football, but greatest quarterback we've ever seen, but they had dominant defenses, but on the offensive side of the ball, outside of one year, one or two years when they had Randy Moss, they haven't really had any offensive weapons. They haven't really had any players that were going to make you, you know, like, oh, we really have to game plan for them outside of Tom Brady. Like, you had Wes Wilkers. You had Julian Edelman's, Uh, Of course, you had Gronk. But you're not really, you know – While I do think that this was the greatest challenge that he had to go through as far as the competition, I do also think he had the load, he had the gun loaded. As me, I mean, meaning you have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin, you have AB, you have Gronk, you have Ronald Jones, you have uh Leonard Fournette, and of course, on the defense, like I said, all those defensive studs that you have while yes this was probably the 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 most challenging super bowl run he has ever had i do think that he also had the weapons to come along on that journey and that's kind of what i that's kind of how i he didn't really have to have much especially in the afc uh when he was with green i mean when when he was with new orleans new orleans come on bro <laughs> when he was with new england he didn't really have to struggled that much seeing as though the AFC East was down and he usually had the best defense his offense really wasn't there but he usually had to have the best defense this time there's no way that you're going into Green Bay there's no way you're going into New Orleans without having not only a solid defense but a solid offense so you know i'm not taking away from i'm not taking away from anything that tom brady did and i'm not taking anything anyway anything away from what the bucks did they definitely uh did their thing and they definitely deserved um every they 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 deserved this and cuz because they they played a complete brand of basketball i mean whew, a complete brand of football they they tried they played again their defense was the best unit the entire game it and honestly their defense really carried them and, and I understand Tom Brady Tom Brady didn't hurt them or anything but their defense really carried them throughout this entire playoffs like I said you force four turnovers against the Saints you you really you don't you you stop Green Bay's high-powered offense and you know you you, I mean, you, it doesn't really take much to stop the Washington football team. Uh, Washington football team's um, offense. But you were able to neutralize their offense. So, you know, you, you got to give them credit where credit's due. Shouts out to Tom Brady and the... Um, Shouts out to Tom Brady and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is Tampa Bay's Buccaneers, what, fourth championship, I believe? And... This is Tom Brady's seventh and his fifth Super Bowl MVP. So shouts out shouts out to them. And let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs side. You know, you're hearing to you're hearing yesterday and today, does this really hinder uh Patrick Mahomes' legacy? Were we too quick, were we too high on Patrick Mahomes too early? Um are the Chiefs, I, I know Keyshawn Johnson said, I don't know if Patrick Mahomes is ever going to make make it to the Super Bowl again. Let's chill out. <laughs> first and foremost, this is the first, this uh, the Super Bowl was the first game in which Patrick Mahomes failed to reach the, the, the end zone. This first game, I think he's been in the league for what, three years now? Three or four years. This is his first game he failed to score. Now, a lot of people are going to say that it was the ref's fault. Now, I will say this. The refs had some pretty questionable calls, and they were, they were not as lenient on the whistle as you thought they would be in a Super Bowl. I understand that. But, no. I, I understand that the refs, there were some questionable calls, and there were some momentum-crushing calls. But the real, the reason why Kansas City, Kansas City beat themselves as well as they allowed it. Uh, I understand that you both, both uh, tackles, both the right tackle and the left tackle, they were out. And you bring in people that really had no snaps the entire, entire season, and that that is the biggest reason why they lost. They lost because their offensive line could not protect Patrick Mahomes. I think they said Patrick Mahomes ran the entire game like 430 something yards uh and that's you and, and and that's not like a Cam Newton running like try, like no, he was running for his life. And I think that's the most um in Super Bowl history. Like it you And you saw it. Like, we watching the game, you saw Kansas City cheat. their offensive line just couldn't do it. Now, I understand that Patrick Mahomes was dealing with a turf toe, which if anyone's ever had turf toe, it is painful. Like, there's – of course, you can play through it, but it, it's not something that you just scoff at. Like, that is, that is some pain for you. But he didn't – Patrick Mahomes, you know, the offensive line didn't give him – this didn't give him time to, to make plays. And when he did give him time to make plays a lot, you know, Patrick Tyreek Hill dropped a touchdown. Williams dropped a touchdown. Pringle dropped a touchdown. Um, Robinson dropped a touchdown. And let me say that. So Hill dropped a touchdown. That's that's seven points. Uh, Pringle dropped a touchdown. That's 14. Uh, Robinson dropped a touchdown. That is 21. And Hill dropped a touchdown. Not Hill. What's his name? Uh, Williams dropped a touchdown. And when I say dropped a touchdown, the ball hit them in the face mask and still wasn't dropped. We we remember the incredible, I think it was the fourth, fourth quarter play. Actually, it was fourth quarter where, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes wanted to rest. He had to. He was, you know, had to get up off his feet like he was diving through the ball. There was no way in heaven or hell it was going to reach somebody, and it hit Williams right in the face mask, and boom, drop. Uh, Robinson, the ball hit his hand, drop. Pringle, all you had to do was catch the ball, hit his face mask, drop. Tyree kill, could it was it would have been a tough pass, I a mean, tough uh, catch, but he could have caught it, drop. And Travis Travis Kelsey dropped two huge third down plays so it it was a it was a team effort man it was a team effort on why they didn't win and and don't get me wrong I'm not saying it was all patch I mean Patrick Mahomes was just flawless you know you know he he overthrew some people he underthrew some people it was it was just a team it was a team loss you know and I don't think that you know I, I I don't I don't believe that this is it for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I don't think that they'll never make a Super Bowl again. I think that they just they ran into a better unit, which was the defensive the defensive side of the ball for the Bucks. Now we also talk we when I say the complete team, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs have been playing so well that their deficiencies were able to be maxed, maxed by how talented they are and how good they've been playing. That was unable. That didn't happen on, on Sunday. On Sunday, they didn't play good enough to mask their deficiencies. And what are their deficiencies? They're not good at stopping the run at all. In fact, they haven't been good at stopping the run for the longest. Yes, you have Chris Jones and everything, but they have not been good at stopping the run, period. Also, outside of Tyron Matthew, they can get their, you know, Breland isn't the greatest at, at coverage. And again, outside of Tyron Matthews, they're not really solid at cornerback like that like their quarterbacks aren't going to shut down a game like that yeah Breland has some moments but if he is your primary cornerback that's not going to work and what did we see on Sunday we saw Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette run up and down (laughs) the Kansas City Chiefs defense and we saw time and time again. Well, again, Tom Brady didn't didn't make huge down the field plays. But, you know, he would have Gronk wide open. Gronk scored on two screens, I believe. He had it was on the 1-yard line and he had AB for a touchdown. And one thing that the Chiefs do a lot is hold. Like they hold a lot. And while you you know, usually teams a Physical teams usually hold, and you usually expect them to, um, usually expect refs to kind of swallow the whistle in the Super Bowl, kind of like refs swallowed the whistle in the NBA finals. They, they were just getting called after call after call. Now, again, some of them to me were bad calls. Like, I, I remember the Tyron Matthew got a pass interference in the end zone against uh Mike Evans, even though the ball was clearly. Uncatchable. Same thing. I believe it was Breland. He accidentally tripped Mike Evans uh, on a deep ball, even though that ball to me wasn't catchable, and Breland fell. Outside of that, and there was some, you know, roughing the passers that they didn't call on the the chief. I mean, on the Bucks, but the refs played a part in the moment. So, let me say this. The refs didn't make some bad calls and made some questionable calls. However, I don't believe – I believe the fact that, you know, the offensive line was playing god-awful and they were – the Bucs were able to just dissect the, the defense for the Chiefs. That, to me, played the biggest part in the reason why they won or they lost. And again, man, I don't think that this is it for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, even how even, – if you watch the game, you saw how bad he looked, even though he played really well. It's just he played with what was around him. Like I said, I just it, it just wasn't their game. They're not really used to losing. I think Patrick Mahomes has lost like two or three times in his entire career. They just weren't used to losing. And like I said – Travis Kelsey had an uncharacteristic game, dropping two huge uh, third downs. Tyreek Hill had a, had a, I think he he didn't even break fifty yards. I don't believe, like Tyreek Tyreek Hill had an unquestionable, I mean uncharacteristic game, and you know it's again both two two huge tackles were out, so I I, I don't think I don't think it's over. I, I really don't think it's over for Kansas City Chiefs and. You know it. It definitely it. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay won fair and square. Again, I hear a lot of people going to talk about the refs. A lot of people going to talk about some calls, but Kansas City won fair and square. And not Kansas City. The Bucks won fair and square, and they won the way that they usually win. Have a dominant defense, and of course, Tom Brady was was masterful. So, you know, with that. Let's let's (laughs) I understand that the Super Bowl was Sunday, but let me give my way too early top five teams for next year. Now, of course, you you can look you can their teams are going to be reloaded. Teams are going to be healthy. Of course, there are still quarterbacks that need to be moved. We need to see what Carson Wentz is going to do. I know that he's supposed to be moved in the next few days. Um, If not today we need to see what Cam Newton's going to do. We need to see what Sam or Sam Darnold's going to be. Of course, we still got the draft. There's a lot going there's a lot that need to happen, but I'm going to speak about right now my top 5 teams go in, going into next year and who I think have the better shot, have the best shot of winning a Super Bowl. Number 5, I'm going to go with the LA Rams. You just get Matthew Stafford and you know, you still have uh, Woods, you still have Cooper Cup, you still have Akins, you still have uh, Akers, I'm sorry, you still have Aaron Donald, who we'll talk about in a second, and you still have, you, you know, you have a, 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 a great team coached by Sean McVay, and a lot of people thought that Jared Goff was holding them back from at least winning a Super Bowl, because, I mean, he got them to a Super Bowl, but at least winning a Super Bowl, so now that you bring in Matthew Stafford, who a lot of people think is a improvement. Then we'll see how it goes. You know what I'm saying? And the reason why I only have him at fifth. Because they have one of the best rosters. If not the best roster in the league. However, we do need to see how they play out. We need to see what happens with free agency. And of course, there are still questions about Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford has not won a playoff game in his entire career. And of course, he's used to losing. While he has been really good. He is used to losing. So we need to see how that, you know, plays out. So I have the Rams at number five. At number four, I have Green Bay. I think that they're going to still be good. You still have Devontae Adams, you still have Aaron Rodgers, you still have Aaron Jones. But I need to see what they do in the draft. I need to see what they do this offseason as far as getting help. We know what they need help with. They need help. Offensive side of the ball when it comes to wide receivers, because you know you still have Lazard, but he's not really a two. You still have Valdez Scantly, but he's he's pretty spotty. It's like you we know you need some offensive help and you need some help on the defensive line. While you do have the Preston brothers, they aren't they aren't they're they're kind of spotty when it like kind of like Lazard and, and Valdez Scantly. They're kind of spotty when it comes to when they play good when they don't. So, I have them at fourth. I think they can go higher. It's just I need to see what they do in the draft. I need to see what they do this offseason as far as trades and and moving up and down. The, you know what I'm saying? I just need to see what they do. So, right now, I have Green Bay at four. Three, I have Tampa Bay. And the reason why I have Tampa Bay at three is because Shaq Barrett is going to demand some money. Uh, Chris Godwin a free agent. Leonard Fournette, we need to see if he's going to come back. AB, we need to see if he's going to come back. Gronk. Uh, White and Levante David, well, not White, Levante David, all these players could possibly be, outside of White, outside of White, all these players could possibly be gone next season. And like I said, Leonard Fournette had a touchdown in the Super Bowl. AB had a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Gronk had two touchdowns. Chris Godwin is one of the best wide receivers in the league, you know, when healthy and everything. And Shaq Barrett played a huge part in the success for this team. That's the only reason why I have him at third and not higher. The reason why I still do have him at third, however, is they're a young team. And I do believe they'll bring back, like, Fournette. I think he'll come back at a discount. Uh, AB, I think he'll come back at a discount. In fact, I don't see him playing anywhere else outside of Tampa Bay, unless Ravens throw him a lot of money or something. But – and I, Gronk's not going nowhere. If 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 Tom Brady's not going, but you still have, like I said, you still have Scotty Miller. If you lose Chris Godwin, you still have Mike Evans. You still have, um, Brait. You still there's still a lot of players. and uh, Kinsu's are going to be there. JPP's still going to be there. Like even if all those players leave you still have the talent to at least contend for a Super Bowl. Not to mention you have Tom Brady. So that's why I have Tampa Bay at three. At two, I have Buffalo. This entire season, a lot of people were saying that Buffalo is arguably the best team in the league. And most of their players are coming back next year. In fact, I think like 90, 95% of their players from this year are coming back next season. So, And we saw the leap that Josh Allen made. Finishing what second, I believe in, in in MVP voting. I think they have all now. They still need to address their defense, especially the the back end of their defense. But they have all the all the makings of a team that could make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, and of course, we you know you still have Stephon Diggs, and they need to address the defense and the running situation. If they don't get a reliable running back, I think that's one thing. You know, Devin Singletary's is serviceable, but I don't think that he is a running back that can, you know, get you where you need to go. So I have the Bills in number two. And number one, I have Kansas City Chiefs. And that's why I don't think that – I'm not going to say the din- – you know, it, it took a little brief pause, but I don't think that they should hang their head too. High. I mean, you still have – Tyreek Hill you still have Patrick Mahomes you still have Travis Kelsey you still have Nicole Harmon like you still have great players now yes you need to get better players on the defensive line and might want to address the the offensive line most definitely but because I know that what Fisher Taurus ACL and we need to see what the other lineman is going to do but you need to address the line and you need to get better defensive linemen to stop the run. But outside you still have the best player in football, in my opinion, which is Patrick Mahomes, which is why I have him at number one. So my way-too-early top five for next year right now is the L.A. Rams, Green Bay Packers, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Buffalo Bills, and Kansas City Chiefs. And – If we're going to go way, way, way too early Super Bowl picks, now of course this is subject to change. Super Bowl was just on Sunday. I still need to see what happens in the offseason. I still need to see what happens uh, in the regular season next year. Of course, we don't know about COVID and fans and stuff, but I'm going to predict right now that I'm just going to do the AFC and the NFC Championship. AFC Championship is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs against the Baltimore Ravens because I believe Baltimore is going to get some help uh, for the wide receivers and I hope that um, Lamar Jackson improves as a passer so I'm going to have Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens and then the AFC, I have Green Bay and LA Rams so that's my way too early thing I don't know again shouts out to Tom Brady and the Bucks for winning the Super Bowl, and let's move. Let's 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 move on. So the NFL Awards happened the day before the Super Bowl, and there weren't really too many surprises. I mean, Kevin Stefanski won Coach of the Year. I thought it was either going to be him or Brian Flores, but I'm not mad that it was Kevin Stefanski. Hell, the Browns ain't been in the playoffs since God knows how long, and they made it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers won the, the MVP. We all knew that was going to happen. I was a little surprised that Patrick Mahomes only had two votes. But, hey, we knew Aaron Rodgers was going to win. Uh, rook, uh, offensive player of the year, we knew that that's pretty much the MVP. That's not a quarterback. And it couldn't really go to anybody else, in my opinion, outside of Derrick Henry, which it did. So, shouts out to – I mean, these are – the you know, uh, Russell Wilson won Sportsman of the Year – for all the th- philanthropy that he does with him and his wife and the community of Seattle. We, we knew there weren't really too many surprises. Why am I talking about this though? Cause there were two surprise. There were two picks or two, I guess award winners that kind of had people up in arms. Let's say that the first one was Justin Herbert winning the rookie offensive rookie of the year. Now, I, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. I'm a big Oregon fan. I think it's mostly because of the jerseys and the history of Oregon with Marcus Mariota and, and people like that. But I'm a big Oregon fan, which means I watched a lot of Justin Herbert in college. I would be lying to you if I told you that I thought Justin Herbert was going to be what he was this year, I didn't think, especially what I, I knew that he 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 could be talented, but I didn't see him being this good in 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 the NFL. After what I I I understand you won the Rose Bowl and stuff like that, I just I just didn't see it. However, Justin Herbert winning the Offensive Rookie of the Year makes sense to me, seeing as though he broke the rookie. NFL I mean he broke the rookie touchdown record like that's not something that comes off it's kind of like it's kind of like Derek Derrick Henry I couldn't see it going to anybody one reason was because Derrick Henry ran for over 2,000 yards which doesn't happen I think he's only like the ninth person to ever do that or something like that now a lot of people thought that Justin Jefferson for the wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings deserved it over Justin Herbert i can see i can see the the argument that you make i just because like i said justin i think he's he's like he broke randy moss's rookie uh rookie receiving record for the minnesota vikings and he was he was he was incredible uh first rookie in a while i believe to make the all all pro team. i mean not all pro um What's that joke called? The Pro Bowl and stuff like that. Like, I understand. He was great. Don't get me wrong. He was, he was great. He was arguably a top five wide receiver this entire year. But like I said, Justin Herbert broke the NFL record for most touchdown passes by a rookie. I think he threw like 31 of them. So I can understand the argument for Justin Jefferson, but I also understand why Justin Herbert won, and I would have given it Justin Herbert, seeing as though that record that he broke. The second, and the one that I don't agree with, is Aaron Donald winning Defensive Player of the Year. Now, before I go, before I continue, let me say Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the league. That is not debatable. We see he gets triple team majority of the time and the stuff that he does as middle linebacker is incredible. Like, you know, it, there's, there's, there's not many, a lot of times when you, when you hear about Aaron Darnold and we talk about the greatness that is Aaron Darnold, you know, a lot of people talk about he, you put him in a class with greats and legends like, like, you know, Lawrence Taylor and and stuff like that. I'm not saying he's as good as Lawrence Taylor. I'm just saying you can't you don't really compare uh, Aaron Donald to players today because of how great he is. So Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the league, in my opinion. However, we're not talking about what he was doing his entire career and how great he is his entire career. We're talking about the season and in the season. I don't see, I can't see how you don't choose TJ Watt for, from the Pittsburgh Steelers not winning. the like. I don't see how you don't pick him as defensive player of the year. Seeing as though, he, I think, he is leading Aaron Donald in every category that is important in defense, which is tackles, interceptions, force fumbles, Uh, hurry up, like quarterback hurry ups, or getting to the quarterback, you know what I'm saying? He leads Aaron Donald in all those categories except one, I believe. And we saw how important, how great the – now I understand towards the end of the season and, of course, the playoffs, how the Pittsburgh Steelers looked. But defensively, he was the anchor to a team that went 11-0 – until they they met Washington, so and he was he was incredible the entire season even after they started losing a couple games. So I again I'm not taking away for how from how great J, uh, Aaron Donald is. Aaron Donald's great. Aaron Donald is incredible. That's not arguable. But if we're talking about this season. I don't see how you give it to Aaron Donald when you're looking at if We just talk about stats and you can even talk about look on film, how impactful and how dominant TJ Watt was this season. Hell, JJ Watt even came out and like gave the stats. So, and I understand that they're brothers and everything. So of course the biasness is there, but even if you look at the stats, the stats show that TJ Watt had a better season this year than Aaron Donald. So again, I understand teams playing the the Rams how you have to scheme Aaron Donald how he's I think double team 95% of the time and like triple team maybe 80% of the time something like that I understand how if you don't contain Aaron Donald you're pretty much gonna lose but this year I can argue Aaron Donald this year this year not this year this year this year Aaron Donald wasn't the best defensive player on his team that could have went to Jalen Ramsey so again I I understand why you pick him I just I just don't agree with it seeing as though how we saw how important T.J. Watt was and how good T.J. Watt was for a team that went 11 and 0 at one point in the season and is beating Aaron Donald in a lot of statistical categories outside of maybe one or two the entire season. So, but that was that. But with that being said, congratulations to all the award winners for, you know, winning the awards. Outside of those two we just talked about, there weren't really too many surprises. So that's that. Um, Speaking of awards and speaking of uh Pro Bowls and, 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 Yeah, wars like that. Let's move over to the NBA. Now, one of the biggest headlines and news that came out last week was the NBA decided that they're going to have an all-star game. And I think they're going to have skill challenges, too, which is the three-point contest, the dunk contest. I think they're going to have that. I know that they're going to have the all-star game in, in Atlanta. And, yeah. Now... Stars like LeBron, Giannis pretty much backed them, Kawhi Leonard came out and said, you know, they have no desire in playing in the All-Star game. And they, you know, they're already tired, this, that, and the third. And they don't think that they should have it. I'm an NBA fan. I love NBA is my, basketball is my first love. First, second, and third love. I love everything about basketball, whether it's NBA, college, uh, high school. Like, I love basketball. However, I also understand, especially when we talk about the NBA, I also understand that it is a business and a business is going to business. That's just how it's going to be like the NBA. You, I kind of knew once I heard rumblings that there was going to be an all-star game and I'm sure players knew once there was rumbling that they're going to try to have an all-star game that more than likely is going to happen and they're going to find a way now. I also understand and agree with a lot of the players, seeing as though this was the shortest offseason that they've ever had, especially coming out of a bubble last year and having the season stop halfway due to a pandemic. Uh, And like I said, teams that were in the bubble, like the Heat, like the Lakers, like Denver, they didn't really have time to rest. And those teams more than likely will have at least one all-star so not to mention these players are getting tested every day multiple times a day so if you're testing and I understand what LeBron is saying if you're testing them this many times because you're not sure of the threat or don't know what's happening or of course you don't want them to Catch the the virus and then spread to the team hell there was even a memo that came out saying that teams or players aren't able to have big gatherings for the Super Bowl meaning you're still You're still cautious and you're still worried about The spread of the virus so if if you're so worried about it why have a pointless game like the all-star I didn't like what the I didn't like what the NFL did with the Pro Bowl as far as doing the whole versus thing. I didn't. I think that was cheesy. I, I wasn't with it. But what I did like is they still they didn't have a Pro Bowl game, but they still announced Pro Bowlers. You know, they still sent them the jerseys. They still said you're a Pro Bowler. This is going to go on your record as a Pro Bowl. They just didn't have a Pro Bowl game. I don't understand why the NBA doesn't do that. Well, I, I do understand seeing as the money, they're already losing a lot of money. Because a lot of teams aren't having fans. Hell, most of the NBA aren't having fans. And the, the teams that are having fans probably having like maybe 250 two, two, two or something like that. I, I get the money. And I get that they're trying to recoup. And they understand that their biggest draw outside of the NBA Finals is All-Star Weekend. Uh, and it's not just it's, it's endorsements and stuff like that. I get it. But... Hell, we all know that this year is gonna be this year is gonna be a wash as as terms of this is this things that we're seeing this year we've never or last year we've never experienced, which is the pandemic. So you're gonna get affected some type of way. And as we're seeing, teams can't even have fans. Hell, the Golden State opened a new arena and ain't nobody even there. They have like monitors and stuff to see people doing Zoom and stuff. So I understand why they're having All Star Game. I'm excited to see more basketball, but I get the frustration that the players have, seeing as though, you know, you're st- we're still doing all these protocols, we're still getting tested every day. We you're telling us we can't even have Super Bowl parties and stuff like that, which I agree with. I agree with the whole social distancing. I agree with you know no large gatherings. But on the other hand, don't tell me that and then say we're gonna we also are gonna have an All Star Game, which. Not only are you risking players on the All-Star team, but you're risking players that aren't, like, players that aren't even all, like, you can't monitor what the players that aren't All-Stars is going to do. So, I, I, I get the frustration, and I get uh, I get how the players are like, I don't, that's, you're being, the league is being hypocritical, which they are. Because, like I said, one one minute you can't say, you know, we care about your health, we care about the safety of the league. And then the next minute, we're having a pointless All Star game when all you can do is say, you know, we have All Star voting. Uh, these are the, the these are the All Star teams. This is team whatever. This is team whatever. You guys are All Stars. Here's your jerseys. Here's your packages. Here's your incentives. Uh, keep it moving, like like the NFL did. So there's that. I, I, I understand. I definitely understand the frustration. Trust me. But moving forward. We've been this is about a month and a half, maybe two months of the league. And I know it's I know it's too early. Things can change, but I'm going to give my awards. Now, these are my awards. And I also understand that it's very early. So more than likely, these awards are not going to be the same during the at, towards the end. But I'm, I'm going to have fun. These are my awards for the first what month and a half, two months of the season. Let's go with Coach of the Year. I'm going to go with Doc Rivers. The When you look at, when you look at, I understand you look at the talent that's on the Philadelphia, uh, but this is the same talent that was on last year and the year before. And Doc Rivers, to me, has unlocked something that I did. I never thought that we would be able to see Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons not not just coexist, but play well together. In fact, the the Philadelphia 76ers play better when they're both on the court, which I don't think I ever thought I would see. And I think that's because the schemes that that Doc Rivers has, has, has uh, created. Now, again, this is early, but I have Doc Rivers as coach of the year. Uh, you can also talk about, you know. No, actually, I don't think anybody really can be the coach of the year. I was out of Doc Rivers at this point. So I have Doc Rivers at Coach of the Year. Comeback play of the year to me has to be Kevin Durant. I was going to say, uh I was going to say John Wall should win this because John Wall has looked really good for Houston and we know how long he's been out. But the reason why I'm gonna go with Kevin Durant is because Kevin Durant, in my opinion, is is in the conversation of MVP. And the injury that he suffered, a ruptured Achilles, that's usually career ending for people. And not only is that, is he in a conversation MVP, he's having better or identical numbers that he had back when he won it for OKC. Now, this is a player that, like I said, he has a torn Achilles or a ruptured Achilles and he comes back and he is arguably the league MVP. Now, of course, I'll give my MVP in a second, but... Because of that, I had I have to give the comeback player to Kevin Durant. Just as, just how good he's been. Hell, if we do the... There's a big reason why, even though you still have Kyrie, you still have James Harden, there's a huge reason why they don't win if Kevin Durant's not on the floor. Which is why the huge contract tracing thing was big. Because he's going to miss game. even though I don't understand what was going on. I, I really don't understand. It's like he couldn't start because of contract tracing, but he could play, and then halfway through the game, you pull him, and now he's probably going to miss multiple games. I don't know what's going on. Not to mention he tested negative. I don't know what's going on. But, yeah, Kevin Durant is my comeback player of the year for, for right now. Uh, Most improved. That was tough. To me, it, I have to go to Christian Wood from the Houston Rockets. I didn't see... This Christian Wood in Detroit at all? Like I, 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 now of course you don't really watch a lot of Detroit games because they're not really on TV. But I didn't see this Christian Wood being. I didn't see Christian Wood being this good in Detroit. And when Nick, when the Rockets got him, I understand it. was I was like, oh well, okay. Well, I mean, what is he gonna do? And now he could be an All Star. So I have Christian Wood as most improved. Like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, defensive play of the year. That was tough too, but I have OG Adenobi from uh, the the Raptors. It could have gone to him. It could have gone to Rudy Gobert. It could have gone to Miles Turner. But you know, not only does is he leading the league in steals, but he's guarding the best player on any other team. Now I understand that their record, you know, isn't the greatest, but the, he's like I said, he's guarding the best player. Uh, you know, best perimeter player on any given night, and he's like I said. I think he averages like two point one steals a game, was actually high. So I have OG Adenobi as defensive play of the year, rookie of the year. I have Lamella Ball. Now I had James Wiseman before he had the wrist sprain, because uh, I think James. What we've seen, what we're seeing from James Wiseman in Golden State, we knew you know he is unlocking his potential early. You know, he can shoot the three. He He's great at pick and roll. He's good at protecting the rim. Now, of course, he has to be better in defending in space. But James Widen has been incredible. The ball, however, the mellow ball, you know, he, he's a huge. He's been probably the second most important player for his team. That's a rookie. You know, you, like I said, James Widen has been big, but he's hurt with a wrist injury. Uh, Tyler I forgot his last name, but he plays for Sacramento Kings. He's up there as well. But I think LaMelo Ball has been more important to the Hornets than they have been to their teams. And LaMelo Ball has been playing really good. You know, his, his assist are high. Uh, I think he can do get better at shooting the ball, but of course, he's still a rookie. So I think that should improve, hopefully. But I have LaMelo Ball winning rookie of the year. Now let's get to the MVP. The MVP can go a lot of ways. You can go Kevin Durant for what he is doing in Brooklyn. You can go with Joel Embiid seeing as though he's probably been the most consistent and best player in the East the entire entire year. You can go with LeBron cuz I mean they have the Lakers have what the second or third best record in the in the in the West. You can go with Kawhi Leonard cuz the I think the Clippers have the best record in the in the league. But I think my MVP right now is Nikola Jokic from Denver. I've said this time and time again, but it's kind of being more apparent now that <laughs> he is the most arguably the most skilled big man we've ever seen. Now, when you when 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 we talk about skilled big man, of course you you have players like like Hakeem Elijah one. If you if you really want to put him in the big man discussion, you have players like Kevin Garnett. You have players like Kevin McHale. Like these these men were crafty. And what we're seeing out of Nicole Yoke is his ability to, to, to shoot the ball, his ability to get to the rim, his ability to play with your back to the rim. Or play on the block. His ability to to his court vision is incredible. His IQ is incredible. Not to mention he's he's got a lot better with his body slimming down. Nikola Jokic is arguably the best player in the league right now, and to me that's that that shouldn't be that shouldn't come as a surprise to a lot of people. Seeing as though I mean he just had a fifty point game the other day. I understand they lost. They didn't lose because of him, and he's a big man. Playing like a playing like a small forward, power forward, and that t- to me, Nikola Jokic has been the MVP uh, so far this year. I think it's close. I think if we're talking about MVP, uh, you know, rankings, I would I would have said him first, as in Nikola Jokic number one, probably Joel Embiid number two. And You can go back and forth between Kevin Durant and LeBron James for three, but that's my MVP. Still sticking on uh basketball. College basketball's been down. There's that's just how it is. I don't know if it's because of COVID. I don't know. I don't know if it's cause of the inconsistency of the season. Seems as though some games are being postponed, some games are being canceled. You don't know who you're playing left and right. But it's been down. Outside of Baylor and Gonzaga, there has been no dominant team. I understand Villanova's I think they're like twelve and three. I understand Villanova's been cool, but like I said, and, and, and you know, it's down because the other day, Saturday, Duke played North Carolina. I'm a huge North Carolina fan. That's my probably my favorite sports team ever. But that had no buzz around it. I was watching the game. I was like, you know, there's no dominant, play, there's no dominant player on this floor. And then you look, Kansas loses bad sometimes. Uh, Iowa. Who they were ranked, I think second or third as as high. They've lost like three or four games straight. It's like they're just. I don't again. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the inconsistency of the season. I don't know. But this has not been a season to showcase the the highlights of college basketball because it really hasn't been outside of. And and the thing is, even if you look. Gonzaga and Baylor, they've been dominant, but they've been dominant in two different ways. Baylor is probably the most athletic team we have in college basketball, and Gonzaga's the most fundamentally sound team. So, I don't know, man. It's it's just college basketball just has been down, and it's really been the Blue Bloods. Like I said, Kansas hasn't been well. North Carolina, even though they beat Duke, we haven't been good. Uh, Duke hasn't been good. Miami, like... Kentucky, God, Kentucky has probably been the worst out of all of them. It's, just, I don't know. It's, it's. I don't know if this is just the year. I don't know if it's because, like I said, the inconsistency. But this has not been college basketball's greatest season, and that is, that's an understatement. <laughs> but moving on from basketball, the Dodgers land Trevor Breyer uh, with a three-year, one hundred and twenty million dollar. Uh, a 102 million dollar contract. Now, why am I talking about this? You know what I'm saying. The dude, <laughs> Trevor Bauer, won the NL Cy Young, Cy Young Award, and he's going to a team now that already had Mookie Betts, already has Be- Bellinger, already has Curtin Clayshaw, or Clayton Kershaw. I'm sorry already has they just won us a, a world series and now you're bringing another great player the nl Cy young winner now the baseball is probably the only sport where it is apparent that the rich get richer as far as you know with tv deals and sponsorships and this, like that, and the fact they don't have a salary cap, you can pay a player whatever you can afford. And bigger markets are gonna have bigger salaries, seeing as though they have TV deals or they have uh, more revenue coming in. So, when you look, the Dodgers who just won the Super, or Super Bowl, who just won the World Series, just got better. Or you look at the Yankees who year after year, they have a loaded roster. Now, of course, usually their roster kind of falls apart by the end of the year, seeing the injuries or whatever, or some people just don't pan out. But name wise, they have huge rosters. Uh, it's <laughs> Chicago Cubs, you know, they, they usually have a big roster, I, I, they don't really win that much, but they usually have a big roster. Uh, and honestly, going into it now, I don't really see too many. Uh, I don't see outside of, I mean, the Padres are really good. The Mets are really good. The Cardinals can be really good. Uh, of course, like I said, the Yankees have a have a huge roster. But I don't really see anybody. It's kind of like. It's kind of like. Um. It's kind of like. The Kansas City Chiefs right now, not saying that they have a, the, the Dodgers have a Patrick Mahomes, but you keep getting better. You keep getting players. I, I don't see anybody being able to beat the Dodgers next year, seeing as though they just won the World Series. A lot of their players are coming back, a lot of key players. And then you just add a Cy Young winner. So yeah, man, I don't uh, it's going to be tough, but shouts out to the Dodgers. Shouts out to Trevor Breyer, uh Bauer. They're gonna, the Dodgers are going to be tough again, and I don't see anybody beating them, uh, especially in a, a, a series. I, I just don't see it. Um, and before we go, and it it kind of sucks that I think the last three episodes, three or four episodes, I've ended with um somebody passing, which is very unfortunate, but. Pedro Gomez, uh, who was a long—I think he was like a thirty-plus year journalist—he uh, definitely loved baseball. He did a lot of boxing for ESPN. Like I said, baseball for ESPN. He passed away unexpectedly uh, on Sunday at the age of fifty-eight. I don't, I don't, I don't know how he passed, but I wanted to end the show with him because I. We all know, I mean, as you can clearly see, I have a sports show and I'm kind of uh I I watch sports all the time. And if you're someone like myself who loves sports, loves everything about sports and has watched sports his his entire life or your entire life, you have seen Pedro Gomez um at least once or twice. In fact, there's no way in heaven or hell that you watch sports and you haven't seen him. That's how impactful he's been. That's how uh, how important he's been to the sports world, especially when you talk about uh, baseball and just breaking that um, that uh, ethnic barrier that sports have had, sports commentating and sports journalism and sports reporting has had for, for God knows how long. Uh, he's an, he was an incredible journalist, incredible reporter, and you know he is he was a staple and a mainstay when we talk about greats at ESPN and and just greats in the sports world in general. So it definitely caught me by surprise and kind of you know stopped me in my tracks when I heard about it on Sunday. So you know I hope that you rest peacefully, uh, Pedro Gomez. I pray for strength for your family. And I understand, I know your legacy with LeVon, seeing as though there is no, you know, there's 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 staples, you know, and everything that you talk about. Like there's you can't talk about basketball without talking about Kobe Bryant or talking about Michael Jordan or LeBron James. You Can't talk about football without talking about uh, Tom Brady or or um, I don't know, Lawrence Taylor or something like that. You can't talk about sports journalism. Without talking about Pedro Gomez or Stuart Scott, um, and because of that, you know this definitely hits home, and this definitely uh, is is a is heavy. So again, rest in peace, Pedro Gomez, and I hope that one day I can be just a fraction of as good as you were when it comes and I can have just a fraction of the impact that you've had in the sports world. So rest in peace, Pedro Gomez. And there you have it. Uh, I appreciate you guys for listening. I appreciate you guys for watching. Uh, I hope you guys, you know, shouts out to Calvin Johnson and all the Calvin Johnson. I know uh, Charles Woodson, Peyton Manning and all the recipients of, or that will be in the hall of fame for people that know, uh, Calvin Johnson is my all-time favorite football player. That man was incredible, but and, and it's definitely well-deserved that, he, that he's in the Hall of Fame. John Lynch, who took a minute, took a couple ballots, but shouts out to him. He made it, and there's a couple other players. Sorry that I'm forgetting your names, but shouts out to them. Again, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Please subscribe. Please come to the YouTube channel. Subscribe if you haven't, and talk to me. If there's something that you don't agree with, let me know. If there's something that you do agree with, give me a thumbs up. Let me know. It is what it is. And I hope you guys have a great week. Uh, Until next time, much love.
0: but don't know how I'm going to see I guess that I could only say one thing Girl I've been bad again Girl i